we are in a place of doing a Marxist analysis of Fifty Shades of Grey because we are both what? Unwell. Welcome to All My Friends Are English Majors, the podcast where I, business major, make my friends, almost all English majors, read popular fiction with me. I had to pause there because I forgot what I was saying because Lydia and I, for the first time ever, are actually getting to record with our cameras on because both of us have switched to corded headphones. She was distracted by my beauty and she forgot everything that she was going to say. I was like, oh my god, I've never had to do the intro making eye contact with someone before. It's intense. It's intense. But we got through it. Or Tucker got through it. I didn't Yeah, I survived. (laughs) It's week four of Fifty Shades of Grey. It's CompCon week. We are about to add so much depth to this book series with nothing going on in it. We, someone should pay us to shut the fuck up. Someone should pay us to stop. <laughs> but instead, we're going to talk about trauma bonding and Marxism and a 2012 white woman, womanhood, and somehow for the second time in a month, the America Ferrera Barbie monologue. It's going to be great. Did we talk about that? I think we did talk about that. I wasn't there. Oh, <laughs> uh, Okay. <laughs> But I believe you. <laughs> we, Lydia and I have simply recorded so much content about Fifty Shades of Grey at this point that we're just, we're circling it back around. It's, we're, we're circling the drain, baby. <laughs> Which is, I don't know what's happened and what hasn't happened anymore. I'm Which is like Anna sauce. for like half the series. Yeah, because she's being sleep deprived and beaten to a pulp. Yeah, mm-hmm. But she's having um, a lot of orgasms, so, like, the sleep she is getting is really good. That's true. <laughs> she's conking out. <laughs> um, We are going to get, I think we're going to get started because um, we're going to try to not maybe talk for an hour and a half this time. Um, Which is so brave and vulnerable of us. It's so brave. And any time that Tucker and I are having any conversation about anything, it has to be an hour and a half long. <laughs> so we're really like going against the grain, the, the, the grain, the grain here. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, we're going to start by talking about, um, trauma bonding and, uh, I'm going to start by saying that uh, you bitches need to stop trauma bonding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Christian really is like this beautiful young virgin who thinks that I deserve good things. Oh, my God. Now we're addicted to each other. She's going to heal me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So one thing that we know based off of these books is that E.L. James thinks that Christians, I almost said Tuckers, you are not Christian Grey. You are not. Um, E.L. James thinks that um, BDSM is a pathology. She's like, this is a mental illness. Um, oh my God. And, <laughs> and Christian has it. 
and oh it's because he's been traumatized. And one thing that we want to go into this conversation saying is that um, kink is not a pathology. You Just because you're a little bit kinky doesn't mean you're mentally ill. However, many of you bitches are kinky and mentally ill. <laughs> <laughs> Correlation does not equal causation. <laughs> well, and it's also weird that E.L. James is like Christian Grey is traumatized and that's why he's into BDSM. Because we we must say Anna, Anna, whatever the fuck her name is, also very kinky. I'm like very not kinky. really traumatized. Right. It's not holding up. It's not making sense. Um, yeah. Kink, ha- being kinky, wanting to have BDSM sex, all of this stuff, it doesn't mean you're mentally ill. We are not BDSM or kink experts. Um, I wanted to do a bunch of research on BDSM for this episode, and then I had to, like, be a grad student. Um, but one thing that is also fair is that, um, I do think that we should kink shame at least a little bit. And I think that people should talk about the fact that kinks do not exist in a vacuum. And you should maybe think about why you have the kinks that you have. Am I going to tell you to stop wanting to get choked or hit in bed? No, because that's your nut and you should get it. (laughs) Um, But maybe figure out why you want to be choked and hit in bed. And or think about why that. you want to choke or hit other people in bed. Yes. And that's the thing is that if you are a man and you just really, really love hitting women in bed, maybe think about that. Consider. Consider that you might have a problem. Yeah. I think... I think this really goes back to all you bitches should be in therapy. Like, you can, like, have things that you think are hot or sexy, but if they involve, like, causing another person pain, like, you should figure out why, and you should talk about it, and you should figure out, like, what place that's coming from, and whether or not it's, like, a healthy avenue for you to pursue. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And you should also figure out how, like, if that is something that you want to pursue in your sex life, like, figure out how to do it in a safe and consensual way. Which I would say that some of, some of, not all of, some of the sex in these books is not super safe and not super consensual. Not all of it. Some of it, I I think, is fine. I keep going back to the fact that Anna is really, really clear that she does not want to be punished for anything that is not, like, a a funny little jokey thing. A funny, silly thing. Mm -hmm. Like, when she read Lights in the third book, it is because Christian is punishing her without talking to her about it without by pretending that he's over it he does that twice in the third book with the hickeys Mm -hmm. and with the edging and it just is so frightening to me that women looked at christian gray and thought he was so hot and so sexy and Mm. like did not look at the way that he was treating and trying to control his partner as like frightening yeah yeah definitely um and there are a lot of like 
there there is a very specific like place where that thinking there's a specific place and reason why women think men like Christian Grey are sexy and it is because the sexiest thing I think for us to imagine in a patriarchal world is to think about a an apish um violent man who is only able to sublimate his desire and his cruelty and his like manliness through his love for you. You are the thing that tames him and you are the thing that um makes him civilized. Like that is yeah. a very real. It happens in Twilight. That's ex- like Twilight is all about Edward denying his vampire instincts because he loves Bella and that is like the one thing that keeps him in his vegetarian diet and that is exactly what's happening here is that Christian has to overcome his trauma which is expressed through BDSM in order to be in a to conform to a vanilla uh like normal quote unquote normal relationship with Anna who is this virginal perfect perfect woman and the only reason that he can do that is because he loves her so much and that is what enables him to overcome this violent dark nature that he has another example of that if we want to exit the twilight and 50 shades zone is like even like the love hypothesis like adam is such an asshole as a faculty advisor it takes him dating a student who's not in his cohort to for her to talk to him and be like the way that you deliver feedback is like so so vile and inappropriate and cruel that like people really don't like you and he literally cannot consider empathy until it is like this woman that he has a crush on being like i don't know Maybe you should consider empathy, and here's why. Maybe you should be nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm trying to think of an, another one. I, I feel like Jane Eyre is a good example of it, because Mr. Rochester is brutish and mean, and then he gets a little horny for Miss Jane, and he's like, I think I might try being nice. Well, and even Pride and Prejudice with the way that Elizabeth like gets after Mr. Darcy's ass, and then he has to write her that that letter that every woman will be thinking about every day of their lives for the rest of their I stay lives. About it, I think about it. Yeah, he is really mean. Mr. Darcy is an asshole, and then his like his love for Elizabeth Bennet shows him that he doesn't have to be an asshole. We this is we are obsessed with this. This is just another. This is just the twenty first century reader reiteration reiteration of this um but in this time it's kind of especially creepy and abusive like in pride and prejudice it's pretty uh uh benign i feel like i would say so because like neither of them is spectacularly like emotionally damaged and you don't come out the end in comparison to twilight and 
Fifty Shades and the Love Hypothesis, you like don't come out the end of the story being like, and those two deeply unmatched people with like very different amounts of, well, I guess they do have different amounts of power in the world. But like, you don't like come out of it being like, oh, that's an abusive relationship for the rest of their lives. Or like, Mm -hmm. he just ruined her career by dating her. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. 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 You're just like, okay. And they're in love and now they're married. You spent that entire relationship um, focusing your energy on changing somebody else when I, I would like to think that in a relationship you change and grow together. You are sacrificing that need that you have to be a person who's growing and developing and learning in a relationship by being a grown man's unpaid social worker many such cases yeah which not to keep talking about pride and prejudice but like that doesn't happen no he uh she changes and he changes they both adjust oh jane austen her mind her mind how did she know Isn't it kind of hard to continue talking about Fifty Shades when you could just be, like, talking about Pride and Prejudice? And how it's the perfect book 250 years later. It's so good. It's so, it's, it's not a perfect book. There's, you know, whatever. But it's so, it's so fun. It's so fun. And there's something really special about reading a book 250 years later where the author, like, kind of perfectly managed to understand, like, humanity. And, like, how people yeah. love one another and communicate with one another in comparison to this book where you read it the whole time and you're like, oh, okay. You're like, you're off track. Something's <laughs> not right. Something's not right. But every time someone in one of these books says something's not right about Anna and Christian's relationship, they're both like, it's it's no. like when a couple <laughs> is, like, fighting and then someone else comes over and talks to them and they, like, turn their heads like a pair of dogs, like, looking at a piece of prey and scream, we're fine! And then, we're like, fine. go back to fighting with each other. Ugh, that's so scary. We love yeah. each other! Yeah. Also, like, you can, like, squabble a little bit as foreplay, but, like, they're, like, screaming, fighting, throwing up in the trenches every hour of every day, and then are, like, and Slamming. now... Yeah, they're slamming. She's like, there's a waterfall. I'm the wettest I've ever been. And I'm the angriest I've ever been. Therapy. Go to therapy. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Your brain is making bad connections. Yeah. Especially in your first sexual relationship ever. At such a young age. That's scary. That is scary. And, like, we originally talked about how, like, while there's a massive power imbalance, it's at least least they're not that far apart in age. I'm over that. This is a fucked up relationship. This is a fucked up relationship, and there is no way that Anna in this relationship could feel empowered to make a decision about anything like she must i mean it must be so 
um, disorienting to be around someone like Christian. There's, I mean, there's no way that she's using, first of all, she's 22. So she's really not using her frontal lobes, but with all of this, everything that's going on, she's really not using her frontal lobes. They're not even cooked yet. No, she is not thinking a god dang thing this entire book. No, no. And I'm jealous. I am also jealous. I like, oh, Barney just ate dinner, so it's witching hour time. He's throwing himself around the living room. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Have we talked about trauma bonding? I think we have talked about trauma bonding. The Okay, one last thing. The goal of your relationship should not be to heal each other. No. God. You can heal in a relationship. And that, I think, is like a key part of healing from trauma is being in relationship with other people. But the mark of success in your relationship is not that you have healed. Yeah. Like, you put something that I think is very smart in this outline, my smart friend Lydia, which is that the success of Christian and Anna's relationship is entirely tied to Christian's ability to overcome his trauma and overcome his kink that he, like, has to hit women to get off. Although, also, I do not think the implication of this book is that Christian, like, can't get there without hitting women. The implication of this book is that he likes hitting women. Yeah, it's not, it's a choice for him. It's not, uh, and that's another thing that makes it not a pathology is that it's not like he is like, I can't stop hitting women and nutting. It's, he's just, he's <laughs> like, I just want to do it. I just feel like it. Like, I feel like doing a lot of things that I don't do. <laughs> I, yeah, I am clamping down on how much I want to yell at other people all the time, 100% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Barney, I swear to God, do not go behind the TV. Hey. <laughs> it's so, I work at a domestic violence shelter right now. And this one thing that I like about it is that this doesn't happen because there's no men there. <laughs> They're not <Yeah>. allowed in. <laughs> yeah. I, and like Cerner, my original first job was like a job that had a ton of men, but it was such a like rigid structure Like, there was really not a lot of space for men to take over and do everything because, like, it was just very rigid what people did or did not do. And this being a startup, like, everyone's personalities are really, like, out. Mm. Yeah. Put it away. Put Put it away. away. No one wants to see that. Do your job. Um, okay. We digress. We are going to now talk about being a white middle-class woman in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> we're really, we're really changing gears. Yeah. Um, so I think that the Fifty Shades of Grey books are kind of a perfect microcosm of what it was like to be a middle-class white woman in 2012, or specifically your understanding of the world, in mm-hmm. specifically in a pre-Instagram world. It was a lot easier to have very specific wealth fantasies, I think, and, like, publish them in a book in 2012 than it is now. Like, yes, she is, like, the sexiest thing a man can do is have, like, six Audis. Like, (laughs) the hottest thing a man can do is, like, buy his girlfriend an iPad. 
or like buy his, <laughs> you know, like, like a MacBook Pro. Exactly. And like, I will say, I am a little addicted to the Daily Mail right now because I, the only app I have on my phone is Snapchat. Same. And they will report, like, if Kylie got a new iPhone, girl, she's a billionaire. It's like a $1,200 phone. She might as well throw it in the trash. Yeah. And like she wouldn't it, know. It doesn't matter. It literally it's, does not matter. It's not even a drop in the bucket. It's like someone sneezed by the bucket. That's what it's yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, like, like, it's crazy how obsessed we are with people, like, spending money that we comprehend as a lot of money and they comprehend as, like, like, like an Audi to the Kardashians is, is like a Toyota Corolla to us. Oh, God. <laughs> so, like, so it's funny. very funny of E.L. James to be, like, the sexiest thing a man can do is, like, buy a car that lots of people in Kansas City own. <laughs> or, like, a Saab, which yeah, is not she's like, a luxury she, car. It's so, but it's European. It is European. Oh, my God. And my God. mom loves sobs. When I read that part, I was like, oh, my God. My mom was tapped in <laughs> to the 2012 white womanhood. But she also, like, she never just says, we're having a glass of Chardonnay. She's always like, we're having a vintage. It's this vintage. It's this specific year. I desperately want to find a Reddit post of someone who, like, had a had a ADHD moment and like went down the rabbit hole and looked up every single wine and the price yes. that it was and if it actually oh exists in the world. Also, Anna is twenty two in this in these books. There's no way that she has the palate to know what a good wine is. I I don't, and I never will. It's wine. I'm sorry. That's why I know which ones I think taste good. Yeah, and those ones could be 50 bucks or they could be seven. Yeah. <laughs> I would not know. <laughs> I also would not know. I really wouldn't. Yeah. Oh, the other thing. The final thing I have to say before we talk about just, like, wealth and obscene wealth is um another thing that makes this really a microcosm of 2012 It. For, like a middle-aged white woman writing this book is like the worst thing that his mother could be is a crack whore like the yeah. only thing she can imagine being bad is like oh my god what if she did crack cocaine what if she was a <laughs> prostitute who did crack cocaine yeah god <laughs> i mean which girl i feel like um I mean, I don't, maybe it's just because we are in the, the thick of the opioid ep epidemic, but when, but hearing about crack, I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's just crack. <laughs> I mean, that's obviously really, um, out of touch, I guess, but I, it's I mean, just, yeah, it's. It was a major epidemic and it like, I don't know if you've ever listened to the podcast Crime Town, but season two was mm -hmm. all about the men who brought crack to Detroit. And I mean, they are soulless 
in the way they talk about it. They talk about the wealth that it brought them. They talk about how large they were living. They do not for one single second mention mm-hmm. the human toll that like their mm-hmm. actions took on the destitute people of Detroit. And so yeah, like that's true. Crack was really bad. It crack was really, was really bad. bad. I take back my statement. I've just been hearing too much about fentanyl recently and I'm yeah. yeah. In a, I'm in a place we are as a country in a place of fentanyl. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> and like I also I'm wondering genuinely if she grew up in a time where she was hearing a lot about the idea of the crack baby, which if you can't tell, I'm re-listening to You're Wrong About, and I just listened to the episode about crack babies. Fascinating stuff. Essentially, about crack babies. They did like a whack-ass study in the 80s where they took literally 20 babies. Do you know how many babies there are in the U.S.? There are probably 20 babies born in like a single hospital in a day. Like, yeah. oh my God. They took a study of 20 babies, all of whom's mothers had tested positive for crack cocaine, all coming from, like, less than ideal households, all of whom were in the study partially because they were being reported for weird behavior. And then... They're like, this infant is acting weird. Or they were, like, two-year-olds and four-year-olds, so they were just, like, fucking stubborn anyway. Yeah, um, assessing normality in infants and toddlers is really difficult. But anyway, yeah, keep And so continue. they were basically like, oh, my God. So if a mother tests plot of it positive for crack, it's like she's going to have a fucked up kid. And so they started taking babies from mothers who tested positive for crack cocaine and isolating them for the first, like, two or three months of their lives. And then we're like, oh, my God, the crack fucked up this baby. <laughs> And so, like, I can picture E.L. James being like, oh, my God, I remember reading articles about crack babies. Like, of course Christian is fucked up. His mother probably did cocaine. Yeah. Like, while she was pregnant. His brain is probably damaged, all that stuff. And it's like, or it could be the fact that you didn't let anybody touch that baby for two months. Oh, my God. That'll do it, too. That would fuck you up so goddamn bad. That'll fuck you up really, really bad. Um, Social scientists are stupid. And that's my take as someone who's in a research class on um, social science research, is that some of you bitches are really stupid. Um, Yeah. Some of you created your study looking for a specific answer, and by God, did you get it? Yeah, and I think I just want to say um good job on that, I guess. <laughs> like, Congrats. You had a bias and you proved it. Should we are we are we in a place of talking about my my guy, my friend Karl Marks? Yeah. I think we should. Um we are in a place of doing a Marxist analysis of Fifty Shades of Grey because we are both, what? Unwell. I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> Turn it <up. laughs> Um, 
one thing in this book is that nobody is talking or thinking about how obscene wealth is bad. <laughs> nobody is talking about how um being a billionaire is unethical, how Christian is um exploiting up his employees, how he's ruining the environment. Every time that they take a jet anywhere in this book, it made my eye twitch. It was it, like the way when they were having sex in the honeymoon, uh, or during their honeymoon on the jet, all I could think about was polar bears. All I could think about was polar bears. I'm like, they're dying for you guys to have this terrible relationship and join the mile high club. I gotta tell it you. It was unsettling. I'm gonna yes. tell on myself. I think that plane sex, whether or not you have access to a bed or if you have to, like, fuck in the nasty little United Airlines bathroom on the plane, it all sounds awful. It all I don't think it sounds, sounds awful. You're telling me that your little private jet is not getting blown around by the wind. You're not, you're not flying off the bed, like, into the side of the plane mid-sex just because you wanted to join the Mile High Club. I, like just do it on the ground. It it is I just think it sounds dangerous. I think it sounds uncomfortable. <laughs> like why it would it just, be dangerous? I am just worried that maybe you would hit turbulence. Like it's not <laughs> it's not like <laughs> it's not like the the sexy little flight attendant on Christian's plane is gonna come knock on the door while she can hear them fucking <laughs> and be like, I need you to buckle up. Like, Anna's, Anna's probably safe <laughs> because she's probably tied up in some way, but, like, <laughs> Christian's going to die. He's, like, he's, he's, they're having sex and he's beating the shit out of her and the captain is like, folks, we're experiencing some turbulence. <laughs> Please make sure that you stay in your seat. Strap in. Oh. <laughs> Okay, I guess when you put it like that, Tucker and I both have anxiety, so we can't, when we're in a plane, we're just thinking about all the ways it could go down. Also, on that note, being on a ship, if I was on a boat, no one is getting laid on a boat. Because I'm like, what if the boat sinks? What if we go down? <laughs> There's a lot to consider. But then you start to get into a place of like, what if you're having sex in a house and then it catches on fire? <laughs> I, I'm i not as worried about boats because I can swim. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're supposed to be talking about Marks right now. <laughs> Marks, would, Marks would disapprove of the Mile High Club. Yeah, he would think that it's bourgeois. Proletarians have sex on the ground. <laughs> Solidarity, brother. 
<laughs> oh my god. I, I'm, oh. I have a quick question, specifically about yeah. Christian's employees who work in his apartment. Uh-huh. They, I simply would not work for this man. I don't think he could offer me enough money to, like, watch him per- parade a 22-year-old past me to, like, show her my, like, weird sex dungeon and be like, yeah, but he likes her. Yeah, and they're all on his side. They're always kind of, whenever they get into a fight, the staff will be like, it's going to be okay, Anna. It's like, don't vouch for him. When when he screams at her after she gets pregnant and, like, the housekeeper (laughs) witnesses the whole thing, and then she just comes and, like, pats Anna on the shoulder and is like, there, there, girl, I would be helping her pack a bag. I would, I would be say, calling you're my gonna mother. You're going to let him treat you like that? Yeah. I would be calling my mother and being like, hey, someone's coming to stay with us for a while. Like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would be like, do you need help? Blink twice. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, we can we can go find someone to protect you. Like. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know. This this idea that the, the staff members are like, yeah, he's a really difficult guy and sometimes he'll scream at you and tell you that you're fucking stupid, but he's he really loves you. Mm, I am reading Big Little Lies right now, and it is so mm-hmm. refreshing to, like, read an account of domestic violence where, like, the woman recognizes it as domestic violence. And she has a lot of conflicting yeah. feelings about it and is, like, mm-hmm. really struggling through the mental load of that. But she at least is willing to, like, recognize abuse for what it is. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And abuse, like, frequently, I think, I think a lot of people, when when they think about abuse, they imagine that it must be so simple because it, you must just think like, oh, this person is treating you poorly, so why wouldn't you leave? And like, the reality is that it's a lot more complicated than that. Like, which isn't to say that like, um, that victims are victims and abusers aren't abusers, but like, there's a lot of really, really complicated feelings that go into it. Um, but none of those feelings should be like, oh, he's just really a good guy. He's just, I know that he's fucking screaming at you, but he really loves you. No. Yeah. I know that he wanted to trap you in his sex dungeon and make you sign a contract so that you <laughs> had to obey his every word, but he's a feminist. Yeah. He hires women. His number two at the <laughs> company is a woman. Ugh, he's friends with a woman. And Elena. all she had to do was abuse him for five years of his life, but, like, they're friends now. They're friends, and he thinks that she's a really uh, stand-up gal. I did not mean us to get so off track from Marxism when I was talking about my feelings about the Mile High Club. I want to talk more about Marxism. Let's return to... <laughs> our friend Carl. Um, One thing that we uh, know from reading this book is that um, the the class consciousness in this generation is so much higher than it was when this book was written because um, 
in this book, really the, the sexiest thing that we can imagine happening is for, is for a, mil- a billionaire to jet you around and buy you a bunch of stuff. And something we said, uh, I think it was in the last episode is that Anna is never, Anna objects to it, but it's never because she thinks you have all of this money. Shouldn't you be doing something better with it or like the only objection that she has to it it's not an ethical objection it's just um it makes me feel uh cheap like when you buy me things it makes me feel like a prostitute or it makes me feel you know etc etc it's it's never there's no ethical dilemma that she has and if if i was getting flued out first of all i would enjoy it I'm not going to pretend that I wouldn't enjoy it. You know, like it would be nice to have someone. I would like a sugar daddy. I would like one. That's something that I have in the outline as well is like, we are so trapped in this capitalist hellscape where we have to think about like saving for retirement. And like, if my car breaks down, like how much of my savings is that going to eat into? And like the, the quote that like every person like the middle class doesn't understand that they are closer to homelessness than millionaire status at like mm-hmm. any point in time. Like really, I think has like managed to stick itself into people our age. And we, yes, like we feel that feeling. And, and that's so, why like, people, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. I was just going to say like, I want to, I think defend the women who found this fantasy sexy a little bit because like, I, I will say my fantasies about being fabulously wealthy are like mostly about like owning land and like being self-sufficient in comparison to like Christians where he like wants to like own a jet and like all of this stuff. But like, I do think that even if the women who were so obsessed with this couldn't name it, like a part of the reason that they did find this so sexy was because they might have not have the class consciousness to name wealth as bad but they did have the class consciousness to name like this gets me closer to an easier life and more survival yes Yes. and one thing that is so um it's being middle class and being a member of the middle class and thinking about the middle class is so tricky because um like the pe- people in the middle class are the, the the biggest fear is to fall from the middle class the biggest fear is to be poor and so people in the middle class frequently will do anything um and, or support anything that makes them feel like they can stay where they are um and that is that I imagine is a big part of what this fantasy comes from is falling in love with rich Mr. Darcy, falling in love with Mr. Rochester, Mr. Gray, Edward Cullen, these guys who have a bunch of money is that it protects you from that. You don't have to worry. You don't have to have that fear anymore of falling. Um. So. Which like we can I can empathize with, you know, like being poor. I've heard it's not great. (laughs) Yeah. Famously, it's not good. (laughs) I mean, I just think about like how stressed out a lot of us were in college, even when we had the safety net of our parents to help with food and rent and everything else. Like it still felt like you didn't have any money. And we did. And we did. Like 
we went out for Mexican food every two weeks. Like <laughs> there was, there was always money to go to a restaurant. There was always money to do your grocery shopping. Like no one was, at least in our friend group, truly like scrounging for pennies. I mean, all of us had summer jobs. A lot of us worked on campus. Like we were not like, we were not the international students driving a Lambo in Kirksville, Missouri. But like, yeah, we were fine. Like we were. Mm-hmm. Not everybody in college, of course, is fine. But um, no. like, people who are in the middle, people, the middle class. There's a re- there's a reason why Marx hates the bourgeois so much. It's because they're the biggest class traders. But, and that's why uh, all of us want to fuck mil- billionaires so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm done with Carl. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's time to talk about perfect womanhood. It's time to talk about America Ferrera. <laughs> <laughs> so we are back at it. We talked about this the first episode. We're talking about it again. These books have a woman always who is the sexiest woman in the whole world. We're like, oh my god. And, but only to the man who's obsessed with her and all the other men who are obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot think of a romance book that does not have the trope of like, the man who is obsessed with the woman having to be like, of course he likes you. Or, like, perceiving another man as a threat. I gotta mm-hmm. tell ya, I think that people should feel secure enough in their relationships that they, like, do not perceive other men as threats. I think that that would be nice. I Personally, also think... it's Go not ahead. happened <laughs> to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes, um, when I'm trying to stir up trouble, I'll be like, Sam, if someone, like, grabbed my ass at a bar, like, would you get in a fight? And he was like, well, one, I think that you would probably take care of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, can't believe I'm talking about Big Little Lies on the pod with a man when I could talk about it with a woman and we could name which of our friends are which woman in the, in the <laughs> Big Little Lies friend group. True! Um, but I'm just, like, he really was like, I mean, like, I could if you wanted me to, but, like, I don't really think you'd need me to. Like, that's the conversation. And the conversation is also, like, obviously I wouldn't be happy about it, but, like, you didn't Um, mm -hmm. do anything to make a man grab your ass. Whereas Christian, Mm -hmm. I'm surprised she doesn't say this when they go to Colorado. She's, like, grinding on that guy who she thinks is Christian, and then she freaks out when she... Mm -hmm. (coughs) Oh, no. When she freaks out when she realizes it's not him, I'm surprised that he doesn't be like, oh my god, I can't believe you were dancing on another guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which would be, like, Anna as a character, one of the things that makes her so appealing is that she is she's the sexiest woman in the world and everybody's obsessed with her, but she's also really virginal and she's really innocent. And so there's all of these things that you have to do and all of these impossible lines that you have to straddle you have to be you have to be gorgeous but you're not supposed to know 
uh, it's giving, um, you don't know, you're beautiful by one direction. <laughs> you have to be, you have to be gorgeous, but you're not supposed to know. Um, you have to be really, really smart, but you're only supposed to be smart in like a book way. <laughs> like all yeah. romance character books are always like British literature. Mm. Um, you're supposed to be kind of, uh, petulant, petulant and precocious, but not too precocious like one thing that christian is always doing in these books is talking about how um anna is not a typical submissive and he loves that about her and that's one of the things that um made him fall in love with her is that she won't do what whatever he tells her to do but at the same time he's constantly trying to get her to obey and there is this weird um this this weird thing that you're supposed to do and these things that you're supposed to be and it's so bizarre and it's exactly what america ferrera said in the barbie movie <laughs> you were even you were even starting to take on the cadence i mean you were uh, really you were no. really getting into it <laughs> yeah sorry america <laughs> no i shine I think that, like, another thing about it is, like, Anna does not perceive herself as sexy or sexual at all. Before and she she's starts... never had, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost like she describes herself as, like, never having experienced attraction to another man yes. before she sees yes. Christian. It's almost like he has the yummy blood. And it's just, like, I wish... I guess, I guess I wish we could write a book about people having crazy kinky sex, but also there's like maybe some other things that they can manage to name that they like about each other while also doing that. Right. Or it's okay to write, it's okay to have a heroine of a romance novel who has had previous sexual experiences or romantic experiences. Like there is this, obviously there's this obsession with female purity and female virginity and there's this desire for um a female love interest to be just a blank slate and you are giving everything to the man and um and it's so pure and it's so intense and it's so all-consuming because it's everything you're giving him everything and it feeds into this idea that the more like as a woman the more people that you date the more men that you sleep with the more romantic experiences that you have over time the the more the less uh desirable you become as a potential partner like the best thing that you can do uh as a as a romantic um potential partner is to is to just wait around for your person yeah yeah that's the best thing and like that's something that i think is really contradictory with all of these books is because like let's take anna giving christian head for the first time as an example Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you're not good at it on your first try no no not at all like like it's always like we want this woman to be the most virginal woman in the world but then she is going to like be able to 
like, come six ways from Sunday, even though she's, like, she's in, like, a really uncomfortable situation. Like, she's at this apartment, she's been on a plane for two hours, he just showed her this crazy, kinky, kinky sex room, and she is, like, comfortable enough to come a million times. Like, I Mm. think, I think this book, for all of the sex that it has in it, lacks both intimacy and vulnerability in the sex scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Because the only thing that I feel like is more vulnerable, like coming and having an orgasm and having sex with somebody is obviously very vulnerable. Something that is just as, if not more, is when you're having sex and you can't come. Or you're having sex and you're suddenly like, this isn't, this doesn't feel good. Can we stop? Yeah. Yeah. And like, that can happen with like a new partner that can happen with someone that you have like had sex with a bunch of times like sometimes mm-hmm. that night yeah. just ain't it like sometimes it's not the cards. even if you were excited <laughs> about it you yeah. know like yeah. i think i think another thing that is so interesting about this is like i do think we I I worry that I've only seen this trope in fan fiction and it isn't actually something that happens in like bodice ripper like regency <laughs> novels. But like uh-huh. the regency novels where either she is like a like ruined woman and that she like was seduced mm. and now she has to like marry some random duke who also has a bad reputation, but both of them were tarnished by accident and then they figure it out. Like I think yeah. That does exist, and, like, that is something that people like reading, so that's good, at least. That both of you can be ruined, yeah. quote, quote, unquote, and, like, quote still unquote. have, like, a happy and fulfilling relationship. Um, yeah. But what those Regency books definitely lack is a com- is any lack of shaming of the woman. Like, maybe her partner yeah. will be like, that doesn't matter to me. But oftentimes, the partner that she ends up with will be like, well, it wasn't your fault, even if she chose to have sex. Like, she was still led astray somehow. Like, there's no sense of sexual agency given to the woman, basically, no matter what. And Anna, they mm. try to give her agency by her, like, not being submissive. There, She has no agency. She has no agency in these books. She has kind of this... She has this kind of spunky attitude every once in a while that parades as agency, but there's no action. She has no money. She has no, she can't stand up to Christian at all. Like, it's all, it's all, it's the same stuff. Yeah. It's just kinky this time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I will say the other thing that is giving old romance novels is, like, the Regency novels especially love to have the little, like, oh, you bleed when you lose your virginity. And then, like, they love to be like, oh, my God, the sign that you're mine. Like, Christian does the same thing. Yeah. It's really gross. Yeah. Um, it's okay to the the whole you were tarnished but you it was an accident you didn't it it wasn't your fault 
Um, shout out to the girlies who have been tarnished on purpose. Yeah. Such as myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I did that. You have, like, like, women have agency in how they choose to use their bodies, how they chose to choose to own their sexuality. I think that's another thing that, like, rings so 2012 about these this book is either we were not old enough, which is so fair, mm-hmm. or the larger conversation about, like, sex work had not mm-hmm. really opened up. Like, were we even calling it sex work or were we still just calling it prostitution? Like, had we just put the criminal title on it or had we started calling it, like, something that sex workers were able to reclaim and, like, talk about as something that they were, like, doing? Like, I do think it's interesting that, like, we are glorifying OnlyFans as, like, palatable sex work. Yeah. But are still kind of like, hmm, or like porn as palatable sex work, where we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, but they like, they're making legitimate money in a legitimate industry. But like, if you're, if you're a prostitute, it's still something that's like, well, couldn't you find something else to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I think people, I think people assume that um, places like OnlyFans are safer platforms to do sex work on and that's not true in a really really big way um if anything it's honestly probably made um sex work more dangerous and sex trafficking a lot more prevalent because it's um well i mean having things done virtually gives it's it's another avenue for it to happen so but um, yeah, this kind of like, you should be able to do, you should be able to do whatever you want with your body. And it's, you know, you have agency and you have all of this stuff. It's like, yes, we do. And you should be able to do whatever you want with your body. But you are also a person living in a world and the, unfortunately, not a world, the world, this one. <laughs> oh, my God. Googling um, the Kamala Harris coconut tree. <laughs> you she was part of a coconut tree <laughs> she she ate on this i want to be on the mixture of barbiturates <laughs> that she is on i want that juice i want to sip on it <laughs> she she is so uh, she's really speaking uh, for those of you who don't know the kamala harris quote was her mother said like you think you just fell out of the coconut tree and then she ended the the same sentence with you exist in the context of all in which you live and what came before you. And like, Kamala, you're so right for that, but what the fuck are you talking about? I don't know what that speech was about, but she was correct. <laughs> she was. And like, I think I have been experiencing a lot of two things can be true at once lately. As always, I feel like I'm always coming into the to the group chat and being like, two things can be true at once. And then, like, talking Ladies, about something that happened to me that day. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, Fifty Shades is so bizarre because it is acting like a vacuum exists. And then when they argue about things outside the vacuum, it is solved by things inside the vacuum. I don't. 
I think I understand what you just said, but it's kind of making my mind do a cartwheel. They fight. They fight in th- about things outside the vacuum. They fight about her job. They fight about, like, how they have to exist uh. outside Escala. And then they just, like, fuck each other's brains out. And then all the problems outside are still uh, there, but they're, like, they're the solved. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. M- my pussy solved it. My pussy is the vacuum, and it went... Yes, exactly. Exactly. Just like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this this book series is not very good, but it did give us so much to think about. It gave us so much to think about, and it was really, the first two were really fun to read. Last one, bummer. Bummer. Oh my god. Um, I'm doing what I should have done far earlier, which is look at the Goodreads. Mm. So this has a 3.66 on Goodreads. One of these just has a bunch of GIFs in it. Okay. And the first GIF is the picture of Ernie, of Bert and Ernie, looking up from his book with his full unibrow, just like glaring at the camera. And I think they're so right for that. I don't know if that's a positive review or a negative review. I think it's a negative review. Oh, she, um, she does call. Oh my God. She hates Anna. This writer hates Anna. She said, my suspicions were confirmed a few pages later when Anna admits that any sympathy she feels for her sick friend is unwelcome. Unwelcome, apparently, because her friend is beautiful, even when she has the flu. And then she calls Anna the C-word. She says, what, a petty, petty, jealous? Wow. She yeah, it. petty, jealous kind. Yeah. Kind of. and she, yeah. This woman read Anna very early, which is that she, like, hates other women. It's. Yeah. It's funny that Anna both manages to be like, I'm so mousy and small. And also is like, I hate all these other beautiful women who like think my super hot husband is super hot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the exact one. Hold on. Introducing an even more abusive and disturbing Twilight now with whips and chains. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. The original fanfic is called Master of the Universe. Googling it. Oh my god. Okay, E.L. James wrote the original fanfiction. Yes. Also, some of these reviews on Goodreads are simply too long. You do not have to write a whole essay on Goodreads. They, like, write a whole essay, and they they also, (laughs) like, summarize the whole book. And it's like, no, 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 tell me what you think. Mm -hmm. I got a a filter to a five-star review. I got to know. One person, I have to read this out loud. It says, if any of you fuckers comment at the bottom of this review and say, you don't understand BDSM, I will hunt you down and make you eat your computer. (laughs) Yes. Which is good. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, Colleen Hoover five star review. Oh my god, Shut Colleen the Hoover fuck wrote up, a five star review of this book. Oh my god. Okay, everyone, hold Is on. Is that really Colleen horses. Hoover? 
Yes! Okay. I read this oh book back before E.L. James even wrote it. I don't brag about a lot of things, but my review skills are one of the few things I will brag about. E.L. James read my review on this book, and she loved it so much, she decided to go ahead and write the book. Here is word-for-word copy of our email exchange that day. Hello, Colleen Hoover. I saw your book review on Fifty Shades of Grey, and I loved it so much, I decided I would write the book. I'm already... F- I've already finished... I'm already finished writing chapter 12. I just wanted to say thank you. Without your review, I never would have found the inspiration for this book. Colleen Hoover, you're so welcome. I'm great at this reviewing thing, right? E.L. James, you are. Take care. Colleen Hoover, laters, baby. E.L. James, that brilliant. I might put that in my book if you don't mind. Colleen Hoover, if you do, don't give me credit for it. I don't like attention. I get so much already. Someday when you finish this book, you'll know what it's like. A few months following the email exchange above, Fifty Shades of Grey released, and E.L. James became a sensational author. If you're a reviewer, make sure you pre-review books before they are written. Procrastination is for losers. This was posted in 2016. Colleen Hoover is the craziest bitch in the world. This is the same woman who wrote It Ends With Us, which is a treatise on... Treatise? Treatise? Treatise on um, how abuse is bad. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> um, that's crazy. <sighs> that set, that took all of the life force out of me. I think it also. I've been osmosized. I read this book when I was fourteen, and I didn't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> I think I. This is a five star review. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my god, the book though. I still don't know what's going on. (laughs) What? The book though, I liked. I pictured Christian to look somewhat like Matt Bomber or Ian Somerhalder. Jamie Jordan is gorgeous, but there's no doubt there's no doubt about that. But he wasn't what I pictured being my Christian Grey. Sorry. Bitches love to fan cast Ian Somerhalder. They just gotta stop. I'm sorry, I don't give a fuck about him. They said a pale man with sharp features and dark hair. Oh my god. Fuck me so good. Oh, the same the same Goodreads article ends with I don't understand you, Anastasia. <laughs> E.L. James is just genius at depicting emotions, understanding relationships, and communicating what is going on in her characters' minds. These books have made my heart burst and break made me laugh and cry it is definitely one of my favorite series ever hands down the depth to which the characters are taken and described is beyond words women should learn to read like read women should learn how to read hold on oh my god someone wrote a review and signed it Rhonda. 10 fingers twitching like twitching hand from wanting to spank Oh my god. Oh my god. Y'all are ill. And just buy a vibrator, please. Just just buy a vibrator. Like Mm. Well, oh my god. I'm thinking once again about that Instagram video that was called like 50 shades is a book they would define as a one-handed read. <laughs> the the oh look gosh. Lydia just gave me. Oh my god. <laughs> 
this one person said there was once a woman who read Twilight and thought Edward isn't abusive enough and spilled her longing into a fanfic. This isn't that story. This is the story of a girl too curious for her own good, read Fifty Shades of Grey, and died of a brain hemorrhage. The end. Oh my god. Killed by Fifty Shades of Grey. That's so tough. We weren't killed by Fifty Shades of Grey. We survived it. (laughs) We survived to give better book recommendations. Yes. I don't feel like I have that many. Because this is a very specific type of book that I, like, Mm -hmm. don't... I, like, I don't have more, like, erotica recommendations. I don't really read erotica, so I have none. I feel like my recommendation is just read fan fiction. Go on Archive of Our Own. The best thing about fan fiction is you can read, like, a 5K fic, and you can move on with your life. You can also read, like, a 500k fic, and then Mm -hmm. also move on with your life. Just move on. Yeah. Here's a list that says 15 BDSM romance books to keep you tied up. Oh my god. 15? I will say, I'm not minding the Neon God series. Which is, like, set in, like, a weird city version of Olympus. That one is erotica. I think the first one is definitely the best one. The rest of them, they've really been kind of stretching. But, like, there's two different, like, people who end up in throuples. Like, two different books. So, like, Mm. if people want erotica, like, you can go that direction. Those are fine. If you want, um healthy relationships where people grow and change. Lydia and I have talked quite a bit about Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Read Pride and Prejudice. Um, I just read um, if you want a book with like a little bit of kinkier sex but it's definitely not erotica, you could read any of the three in the Brown Sisters trilogy um, by Talia Hibbert. Um, I just read You Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty. Um... And I don't remember the author of that, but uh, that was beautiful. So, like, Hmm. there are lots of romance options that, like, have some sex in them that, like, women are, like, have agency and are, like, trying to grow and change and, like, aren't also, everyone isn't also just, like, obsessed with them for no reason that the woman doesn't know how to name. What I'm saying is I'm not going to give you recommendations for, like, a Fifty Shades style book. That's ass. Probably not. Ask for better. I'm trying to think of the best... One, okay, this isn't BDSM per se, but one author that I like who I think writes really excellent um erotic scenes is Melissa Febos. I think that's Phoebos Febos. Um she used to actually be a dominatrix. Um so she's very um knows a lot about BDSM, has done it before. Um and she has written a lot about um she's written a lot about being a dominatrix, being a sex worker. 
She's written a lot about uh, her relationship. She's a queer woman. She writes really tender and beautiful um, sex scenes. Um, her books also do talk a lot about abuse. So um, if you want to read a kinky story about a healthy relationship, that would not be a Melissa Thibault's book. But she writes really beautiful, really beautiful sex scenes. Um, and writes about BDSM a lot. Nice. Also, Julia Fox's um, memoir is also not, I wouldn't call it sexy at all. It's actually very disturbing, but it, she talks, she also famously used to be a dominatrix and writes about BDSM a little bit in her memoir. Nice. I think that those are two good recommendations. Thanks. This is this is another classic moment where my friends are so much more well read than me. Where I'm like, so you could read <laughs> these like three different sex series, and then Lydia's like, here's these these two books that are written by former dominatrixes who like have a lot to say about <laughs> about like the industry that they used to work in and like really like beautiful moving things. And I'm like, these women are self assured. I honestly think that that is just as cool because I don't read any, I don't read any books about women being self-assured. I read (laughs) books about women being the opposite of that. (laughs) I read about books about women being on their journey to be self-assured, but not quite getting there because you know what? That's where I am too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, but thank you for saying that, Tuck. That's very nice. Oh my god, Lydia, we did it. We got through it. We talked about Fifty Shades of Grey for hours Almost and hours an hour and, and 20 hours. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. It's not almost an hour and 55 minutes. <laughs> well, what were we on? We were having a great time. We were, we were we having were a great just- time. And the reviews yeah. are in. People loved the first episode. Will they feel that way about Fifty Shades Freed? Probably not. That one was a bummer. Yeah. That one, we did not have a good time recording that <laughs> one. We were sad. It's sad. Yeah. It's sad. All right. I'll leave you all with this. If you see your friends start to act really weird... And get really skinny and then disappear into a high rise and then only ever come out surrounded by bodyguards. Maybe check on them. Check on your friends. Make sure that they are not being contracted into sexual slavery by a billionaire. And or that, anyone else. Follow us on Instagram at English Major Spot. <laughs> Send us an, an email at EnglishMajorspot at gmail.com. Next month, we're doing Women's Rights Month, so we're starting with Gone Girl. Period. And, Lydia, do you have anything else to say? No, I think I've said enough. (laughs) Okay. I think I've said enough. I'll see you next week, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye.